0: what's up yo thanks for tuning in asian beaches down under the podcast all about sharing information and perspectives from the asian diaspora point of view in society and culture we encourage you to subscribe to our show by apple google or spotify or any podcast platform of your choice and we welcome our listeners to support our show by sending us comments give us review and share our podcast with your fellow podcast lovers make sure you check out the episode show notes or any collaborations we are working with to promote thanks again and we hope you enjoy today's show hey
1: all this is Jessie.
0: hi this is helen
1: and we are eight pictures down under it is two weeks until christmas helen how are you
0: feeling uh, I'm feeling fantastic. Uh, I'm feeling fantastic. I'm kind of getting tongue twisted because I'm just so worried about the sound. So we have today just over on the phone <laughs> with me. And because I couldn't get my shit together. <laughs> That's alright. I'll try. It. I'll you know we figure it out, and I'll just do some editing and adjustments at the final editing. Um, anyway, so. I'm looking forward to the end of the year, and I'm so happy that today we finally have some blue sky. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, my that goodness. that is uh-huh. You know, um,
1: I, I, was looking, I woke up this morning, and I felt like I went for a big walk, cause, because I haven't been on a big walk for ages, mm-hmm. for a long time, and because the sky has finally opened up after what feels like two weeks of con- torrential, consistent gray, blue, uh, blue not blue, gray skies and stuff. Yeah. And um, I looked at my phone and because, like, recently, in the last couple of days, especially, um, Sydney has felt like Melbourne in that we've had very sudden weather changes. Mm-hmm. And um, so I looked at my phone and I saw that the um, Google told me the weather said that it was going to rain yes. um, in, like, the next half hour. Okay. And so, like, I went for a long walk just carrying my umbrella, despite the fact that the entire sky was completely blue. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, um, like my friend uh, says, uh, Google, Google weather is quite pessimistic
0: mm, or just yeah. or
1: just completely misleading. You can yeah. say either
0: way. It's hard to tell nowadays whether with the climate change, you know, something, uh, just the weather changes so suddenly and you don't know whether or not that it's going to be, if the forecast is going to be right. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, it's quite pessimistic because you will want to bring the, an umbrella, you know, you want to be prepared rather than not prepared. Yeah, yeah.
1: because last night I wasn't prepared. It, uh-huh. it rained very suddenly and uh, I was, I got drenched pretty much <laughs> oh, <no>. in Magville. <laughs> but um, on my walk, Helen, I continue to, to listen because I'm on a journey through Huma Abdeen's um, memoir and yes. both and and all. I don't even know what it's called. Um
0: <laughs> he keeps missing it's simply, mis- you want, mispronounced her title <laughs> right
1: yeah I don't even know what it's just basically her memoir okay mm-hmm. and she is famous for being obviously Hillary Clinton's um, personal assistant I have to keep saying that because I don't know how many of you listen to our previous podcast but I've been harping on about this woman's memoir for the past two or three weeks mm-hmm. only because it is. The book comes in at over 400 pages. And the wow. audio book, which is what I'm listening to, is uh, 21 hours. It's Jesus. just over 21 hours. Uh-huh. And so it's taking me a couple of weeks. Um, but finally, finally, today, we have finally, she has finally reached the point in her life where she talks about Anthony Weiner, which is really in part, really largely why I started reading her book. Because in, in many ways, um, Huma Abdeen is famous because of her marriage to this very public figure called anthony wiener who i encourage everyone to go watch the documentary wiener and mm-hmm. that will give you an explainer for what he and what his uh, story is all about um sexting will give you another clue but basically it was great to finally learn about huma's perspective on like kind of how anthony wooed her and the way in which you know she her relationship to him began, with him began. Mm -hmm. Um, What I want to say about this, what what I'm beginning to learn about this book is that um, she is really a model minority like she was compliant as a personal assistant to HRC who she refers to in the book as Hillary Clinton Mm -hmm. she was her personal assistant and at one point becoming the deputy chief of staff which just means you manage other people um, but it just sounds so executive and cool, that you know that title Mm -hmm. chief of staff. Um, And, you know, she is, her parents are Pakistani-Indian. She really just did a good job of kind of complying to kind of the way in which politics runs. Very Mm -hmm. patriarchal, very kind of white supremacist model. And I guess I, I really like the pits where she's finally talking about her early days with Anthony Weiner and kind of dropping hints at the red flags that she saw. So, like, for instance, one time before she got married to him, she said that um, he had told her, I want you to fix me, which is like a big, I think, like...
0: That's a huge red flag.
1: I know, like also just the history of the world is really like damaged men thinking that, um, believing that they can be fixed by women and also kind women. Believing that they can fix broken men. Yeah, the saviors
0: um, that, of men. A, yeah, exactly. It's that's
1: never a good story. Mm-hmm. I think that's just never a good sign. That you know we're we're on two equal playing fields. Mm-hmm. Another red sign was that um, she saw emails from um, on Anthony's um, inbox that um the kind of uh, kind of she had to ignore from and anthony would say oh that's just from a fan you know like female fans and it was like very flirtatious
0: oh okay yeah
1: um and she was kind of trying to ignore (sighs) and i guess like i think why we're so fascinated by her story and why she and her story and has been so capitalized capitalistically marketable is not necessarily because of her closeness to Hillary Clinton. It's probably because of her marriage to this dude, Anthony Weiner. And also, personally, um, I think I read her story as a way, perversely, if I may say so, to learn what to avoid, kind mm-hmm. of like saying, showing yeah. how not to fall for a charming tall white guy. And mm-hmm. I have been blessed in my lifetime to have never fallen for a charming tall white guy because charming tall white guys don't go for mediocre looking asian women with really 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 smart brains like i know i'm very smart like i'm not a typical asian compliant girl you know Mm -hmm. so like i feel like tall charming white men don't fall so don't target me because they know i'm not i'm not saying i don't i can't fall for handsome men but like handsome men usually tend to look for beautiful like conventionally, much more striking and beautiful compliant women, which I just don't um, tick those boxes. So in a way, I'm like kind of. I'm not saying that I will never fall for. I will never be like uh, betrayed by my partners or anything like that. I'm not. I'm not beyond anything of that. But it's just like I feel kind of in a way quite lucky that I don't move in those areas where I can forth, where I can be tricked, mm-hmm. you know, by by deceitful politician or politicians or power grabbing men. I feel like
0: in the past, I was attracted to those kind of men. But yeah. now I have a brain. <laughs> now you have a brain. Mm. I, I do get a sense of feeling that those type of men feel most likely intimidated by women who are opinionated and just like us, we have being smart because they always need someone to oppress, to exemplify their own power, I guess. Yeah. And the closest person that they can do is their own partner because they will never consider an equal balance partnership or relationship they always need to hold on to that power mm. to feel secure i guess yeah that's yeah. a very sad thing so yeah
1: yeah i mean it sounds as though i'm criticizing Huma. i'm not at all i'm kind of just saying it's interesting to see how often with powerful white men mm-hmm. and they are often white white what you see is that they find partners who are almost like secretarial in nature
0: yes. like partners mm-hmm. who are
1: unadornably about, uh, unadornably loyal and very very kind of submissive compliant mm-hmm. and um i don't know if i'd go so much to say submissive but mm-hmm. like um
0: they're kind of in awe of of them like often they need one someone one, to admire them yeah is exactly, that what you're saying exactly. yeah exactly yeah. what i'm saying mm-hmm. so like I have
1: several, several personal stories where I've seen in my own lifetime when I was working in law Mm -hmm. um, where you have, like, very powerful barristers and judges. They often go for women who are like their secretaries I know it's a cliche but honestly it happens let me tell you it fucking happens they like have affairs with their secretaries or their female kind of legal aides because like they kind of get off from the power dynamic imbalance Mm -hmm. like they get off from these women who basically worship them because of their role in their jobs like they have so much power Uh in their jobs that like and these women are there to serve them and to do the administrative work Mm -hmm. of their jobs that they kind of get off from honestly it happens, man. It's so, so frequently I think,
0: it happens. Yeah, I think it's too very prevalent. Just not long ago, I remember reading from somewhere that is absolutely toxic, like a magazine for in Taiwan or something like that. It was something, the title was along something like, um, how do you keep your man, like, within your relationship or how do you keep your man happy? It's something that very toxic. And the mm. first thing was that worship your man, like mm. admire him, um compliment him in every way that you can i'm like what the fuck honestly <laughs> this is so That's, stupid wow that is like, and so like woman's magazine the 1950s, yeah i know yeah Sympathetic. <laughs>
1: so i know it is like i think the more fragile a man the more kind of openly um openly he will reach for external means for power grabbing mm-hmm Sort yeah. of capacity so like honestly i think the most deeply fragile men are people like bill clinton look at how many mm-hmm. um and you know seduce all those women and like um people in you know you look at barnaby Joyce you look at every politician throughout throughout our mm-hmm. throughout There's the just world the
0: insecurity they have.
1: Male, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the most incredibly in, deeply insecure people are people who like really go above and beyond to look for external means to fulfill their to kind of fulfill their small uh, dicks, I guess. Um, there's a reason why most of the politicians in, in history are like, I don't know, pretty mediocre-looking dudes. I mean, obviously you can correct me there. You know, JFK was pretty good-looking. Um, mm. Barack Obama, very handsome, you know. But, uh, but there is definitely something there, I think,
0: no, yeah, no, there's deeply flawed no. aspects about the the desire of wanting to become a politician. Exactly. To hold that power. Power, yeah. exactly. It's again, yeah, it's I down think, to power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's <sighs> get on to our cultural consumption of this week. Let's do a quick review of what we did last weekend.
1: Mm. Yeah. We hung out at Pots Point, which was like, mm. ugh, oh, God. <laughs> I
0: don't
1: know. I, I, there was one point in my life where I was like, <laughs> I want to live in Potts Point, but I'm glad I didn't do that.
0: Mm, It is
1: like a canyon of, it is like a canyon, like a valley canyon, you know, like the Great Canyon. Yes. Deep down, a canyon of like um, skinny, white, insecure people, I guess. Everyone is like, everyone is skinny, everyone
0: is white. White, yeah. Everyone wants their
1: coffee extra hot.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, that's a, like, that's a funny we thing. We were no sitting, yeah, we, <laughs> we were oh sitting at a cafe on a Sunday morning, yeah. and then we were observing the customers' orders of coffee. And honestly, every one of them were <gasps> yeah. at least three to four requirements. Requests. Exactly. Yeah, requests. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. half skin, half uh, full milk. Yeah. three um,
1: quarters. You hot. did
0: three quarters. What the fuck is? Three I was like, what the fuck is three
1: quarters? Like, I know it was incredibly <laughs> hilarious. I swear, Potts Point is like the absolute epitome of the worst kind of people in the world. Seriously, just like super self-involved, super kind of um, insular. You really do feel insular when you're in Potts Point. You feel like yeah. um, there's nothing beyond the cl- in the Clay Street.
0: Yeah, we were just looking at each other and like observing the the, the customers and there was a guy, a white dude, who mm. barged into the cafe and saying that, Oh, I don't have a mask, can I come yeah, in? Oh my <laughs> something god, like that's
1: that. Hilarious. I forgot my mask. And
0: then the next thing he said, I forgot oh my, my credit card Right? Or something like that. <laughs> oh my Very god. Very self Okay, so Threat Fat Virgins Unassembled, that's the theatre play that we went to see last Saturday evening. Um, What do you think?
1: Um, I just choked. (laughs) I really liked it. I found it hard to enjoy it because I was suffering from a blistering migraine, which Mm. Helen, I didn't tell you about because I felt bad. But yeah, it was, I mean, it it was really cold in the theatre.
0: Yeah, um, I remember
1: that. <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: But no, the actors were sensational. Um, the story was again like very, very confronting because,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like I think Helen, you mentioned that the play was actually written several decades ago, and yet um, it could still really tell the story of women today in any really scenario or That's right. context. Yeah, um, it follows basically this story of um, three women, and then there's a narrator. Uh, who plays like all of them interchange genders they play men and women yeah and they tell stories about like um being called a virgin a fat virgin even when technically you're not just as a derogatory term Mm -hmm. and it's based in singapore um it's basically like if you're not married with a baby um if you're not a mother you're called like a fat virgin anything that delineates outside of motherhood and wifedom if you don't fulfill them you're called a fat virgin I really enjoyed the play. I thought it was really funny.
0: Um, how, what did you get out of it, Helen? I thought it was very close to reality and all this experience that I have went through myself as well as what I've seen and observed about a woman around me. It's like whatever that you do in life, it's not fully accepted by the society. Even if, you, even if you're a mother, you're, you're being criticised of how you parent your kids, uh, you're not seen enough. Uh, you're not well enough. Even if you're a mistress, you get criticised you're not a graduate. <laughs> you're yeah, going to get <laughs> Um <Yeah. laughs> Just a lot of stupid things that the social expectation on the woman coming from men, okay? And mm. that kind of slowly internalised by a lot of women as well because you get um, misogyny coming out from other women too. Mm. And yeah. I'm just so surprised that I... Like, I, we've seen Happy on uh, one of the act- actresses that was at the show. Uh, yeah. She was one of the comedian at the, was a com- the comedian? Yeah, um, earlier I mean, this year. At the
1: Concorde in Chatswood. Yeah. yeah.
0: But I haven't, I'm just so surprised that I haven't seen any of the rest of them, like on TV or on other yeah. bigger productions, because they were so brilliant. They're just yeah, so they good.
1: They were absolutely brilliant.
0: They're so good. Absolutely.
1: there was just like, their standard is just absolutely incomparable. Mm -hmm. It's like better than a lot of actors I've ever seen. Like better than a lot of actors, white actors I've seen in the Belvoir or STC. But you know, Helen, I was thinking this the other day, like, you know why, right? It's because they're really so Asian and yeah, because they don't have. I Because white Australian television still wants to keep it white. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking the other day about The Social Network, the movie starring Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Rudy Mara is in it as the kind of girlfriend at the very beginning.
0: Oh, yeah, okay Rudy Mara, right? Uh, I'm trying She's to. She's one of my favourite
1: actresses. She's um, uh-huh. married to Waki Phoenix, I believe she's the one who plays the american version of the girl with the dragon tattoo she was also in carol with kate blanchett mm-hmm. um she's very beautiful now um she's in the movie so is dakota johnson um so is andrew garfield you know all these names um that you know have at the beginning of the queers this was the movie that kind of you know they started off with in the early days and now they're huge stars you know mm-hmm. but then i thought about brenda song who plays the asian romantic interest to, like, gives one of them a blowjob in the toilet somewhere like she is like kind of the one of the Asian fans okay when Mark Zuckerberg in the story um begins his
0: Fame. deep ascent to yeah. uh-huh. you know
1: stardom yeah and I was like where the hell is Brenda Song because she was fantastic she's like a great actress yeah in the movie and I was like oh because there are no fucking roles for Asians in Hollywood
0: that's, right. that's probably yeah. why
1: she's like disappeared
0: Mm. You know, whereas like
1: Dakota Johnson and Marie Mara and Andrew Garfield, Garfield, they've gone on to do amazing, they've gone on to be given a yeah. lot of roles.
0: And yeah. where are the
1: roles for people who don't look white?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing is that because the writers are still very white, the producers yeah, exactly. are predominantly white. And unless that we have like slanted theatre, you have an all Asian female cast and crew and directors and producers you cannot get a asian female faces out in public that's that's my conclusion yeah so it's still very fucked up when hollywood was saying that they're rich they're arriving on diversity like fuck diversity and i really hated the
1: whole the whole kind of conundrum and celebration that happened during whatever year it was i don't remember two years ago no three four years ago with um Crazy Rich Asians,
0: yeah, they're saying that, oh, we have Asians here, it's not, it's not. Yeah, I
1: remember very clearly at that point, just not buying into that sort of celebration because I just knew it was just one of those shallow, superficial moments that would lead to nowhere.
0: Mm -hmm. Also,
1: Crazy Rich Asians does not represent Asians at all. It's basically a white film with Asian faces.
0: Yeah, I agree, totally, yeah. It's It's like their
1: level of wealth completely erased
0: their uh race. I know. That's what, that's it's got crazy, crazy nothing crazy about changes. Yeah. There's no intersectionality in it. It's, it's just still very white. Yeah. I just uh, I mean I don't hate the
1: film, but I just think um I mean, it does absolutely nothing for Asian people.
0: Mm-hmm. Period.
1: Honestly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I I really want to see more coming out from those, you know, actors. Caroline, Denise sabrina and happy all four yeah. of them were, were so fantastic i can't say more about how how well they've done in the play they were so funny and they transition between accents emotions oh, so well. and genders uh, which is so brilliant yeah yeah
1: and um and you don't Uh, people who, listeners who have gone to the theatre will know at the outside of the theatre play, outside the theatre, there's um, a wall with the pictures of the cast and crew Mm -hmm. and everyone in this production was Asian. Everyone Mm -hmm. was Asian female. And I was just like, this is so, like, fucking phenomenal. I just love seeing people who look like me up there, like together, not just the token Asian, you know? That's right.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that um so my culture consumption of this week i want to kind of rant about a drama that is currently on netflix at the moment which had quite a huge acclaim from a, from like both i think white and Chinese industry it's called like the night but personally i don't like it <laughs> i'm going against the, title. the type. Uh, not the title the whole thing the script is the script is crap honestly i i agree with a lot of people saying that it is amazing beautiful and very luminous setting of the 1980s of taiwan so this the storyline goes around this murder case surrounding a hostess club the night club Um, If anyone doesn't know, there's a culture in Taiwan where they have female hostess. Now they have male hostess as well, um, where they serve their clients alcohol and fruits and, you know, snacks. And how they make money out of it is that if the clients order, uh, like, a super expensive alcohol, they get, like, a commission out of it. Mm. So anyway, the thing that I really hate about the script is that they – it's pretty much – centering about all these female hosts within the club hating each other pitting each other attacking each other taking revenge on each other eventually one of the hosts die and Mm. it reminds me of the soapy drama that i watched when i was growing up in the 80s and Mm. it's just very old it's not really original and for those who you know grew up in china and taiwan you probably know there's a really great romantic writer well quotes romantic you know great romantic writer like it's not in my my not my words Chong Yao. she writes tragic female stories romance stories where that a female character sa- uh, sacrificed her life for l- her life or there's revenge between uh, two women and they compete for a man. And that's something that I really hate to see. Yeah. And along the whole drama, it's all about worrying what the man sees on, you know, the female character. Yeah. 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 It's all about male gaze. And yeah. I'm like, fuck, are we still on this? Like, are we yeah. still valuing women's life like, through the lens of men? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm just total shocked. I'm like, Jesus, we're twenty twenty one and we still have this script and everyone's you know, it's like so excited about it. I have no idea why. Mm. Yeah. I just don't like women seeing women pitting, you know, each other. Like competing oh, over for a man. Yeah. Fuck, honestly. Oh,
1: kill
0: <sighs> me. Seriously. <laughs> That's exhausting. It is really exhausting. I I I was like watching it with my husband. And we watch it for the sake because it's a Taiwanese production. Mm. And apparently they spend like millions of dollars in this production. And I, I'm like, oh, my God, this is going on and on. And the women are trying to come up with a strategy how to get back on the other woman and um, trying to review she's cheating with a guy, things like that. I'm like, oh, this is so 80s. Like, I don't need this kind yeah. of shit in my life. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's the, I fear that those
1: mm. stories will always exist. I fear that.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: 50 years' time, we will have shows like The Bachelor because um, it will always be marketable, you know? Mm. There will always be stories to perpetuate very unhealthy situations or ways of living, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, I use that word as a judgment. I, I like completely I completely acknowledge that I'm judging people. But, you know, people, yeah, I, I just, I wonder... As I get older, I guess, just like, because I know that I am time poor, you know, the older we get, we're all more conscious about time we need to be. There are things I need to do more deliberately and intentionally in the places where I put my attention, you know, which is completely the reason why I never read any white male authors, why I try to avoid them if I can, mm-hmm. because I don't have time for them. Mm. I don't need that. That's not going to make their stories. are never going to make my existence any more richer. Like mm-hmm. they write books for their type of people. I'm not a white man. If I was a white man, I'll, I probably I'd be easily drawn to stories written by white men. But I'm not a white man.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, so um, it doesn't enrich me in any way. Yeah. So why would I spend time with them?
0: You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But having said that, um, mm. that how much I dislike like the nights. I think it's probably projecting. Not so much projecting, but reflecting how the society has been or ha- is continuous to be you know it's something like people can learn from it like try not to fall into that kind of scenario where you you know women attacking each other yeah it's just something that i hate to see yeah speaking of women
1: attacking other women doesn't really happen in this show but i have to mention Last night I stayed up real late um, to write my thoughts down about you know the biggest event of my life this year, <laughs> not my wedding, but it is
0: the, Sex and the uh, City. season
1: premiere of Just and Just Like That, which is mm-hmm. the reboot of Sex in the City. Yes, like Helen said, my friends Billy and Carl and I are obsessed with it. Um, it is re- literally last night we were going, I was going crazy. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was my wedding day. I was so excited, <laughs> really. I was so excited. I was so happy. And, you know, I went back home after watching it with them and I really thought about it deeply, Helen, and I thought why I was so excited and I really tried to process my um, emotions. And mm-hmm. really what came out of the conclusion that I drew to the reason why it was such an exciting event is because, um, I mean, the, the show in the 90s and early aughts was really revolutionary. Yes, I would admit there are racial problems. Yes, there are a million gazillion problems with the show. You cannot deny how much of an impact it had culturally because it was the first show that really centered female friendship and kind of focused on the agency, the sexual agency of young women, Mm -hmm. women in their 30s, you know, women in their 30s basically. Uh, And it did it in a way, yes, it's like they're super rich, yes, they're superficial, that they're, you know, addicted to fashion. But beyond all that, it's really about um, female friendship and kind of openly talking about sex and what Mm -hmm. it means to be single. Yeah. And what made this reboot and just like that so monumental for me is that um, we're seeing this come back and now these women are in their 50s i okay. think Sarah jessica parker and all of them except we you know kim patrol is not back we all know that um but they're all now in their like mid 50s uh-huh. i believe like 56 55 years old middle age yeah um exactly they're middle age and we see them now we see their faces they're not invisible you know, mm-hmm. which is just, like, such a big deal because, and and not just that, but we see them in their kind of setting of the show returns to its central focus of their friendship, you mm-hmm. know? And it's not about, like, suburban mothers getting, you know, traumatised by their drug-addicted teenagers or whatever, like that teenage son. It's really, a, it continues on that focus of their lives, right, and mm-hmm. centres their friendship. And it kind of reminded me of that sketch with Amy Schumer um, and... Patricia Arquette, Elaine from Seinfeld, and um, Tina Fey, where, yeah, like...
0: They talk um, about the fuckable about day, the last, last, fuckable, yeah, last day. fuckable
1: day. for women, um, which is the belief as... Uh, actress,
0: Hollywood actresses uh, have an actresses, expiring yeah, um, date.
1: Yeah, so um, the media, um, basically Elaine, I don't even... It's Julianne Drifters or something. <laughs> I, I don't know how to say her whole <laughs> full name. She um, says in, in Hollywood, the media determines the age in which a woman is... Um, no longer fuckable and it happens when you know she says when you get like suddenly you turn from someone's rov- romantic interest in, and then the next role you play you're playing their mother mm. or like they all the outfits that you're given um in the movie are like they cover your whole body mm. and like the thing with this reboot that makes it so revolutionary is because um we see these women and they're beautiful and they're like luscious and they're like they're very um, open about their sexuality still and. You know, but they're in their 50s.
0: hmm
1: You know, that's what makes it so fucking amazing. And, yeah. like, yes, all of these are white women. Yes, um, Carrie Bradshaw's closet is bigger than my entire house. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> um, but, but still, it, like, besides all that, I what still stands is that um, at least there's an iteration of women in their 50s who um, center their friendship and their relationship to each other.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would like to see that for like an all Asian crew as well I think there need to be I guess what we're seeing with a lot of white feminism is that they have the power to come out and openly talk about aging they have the power you know to come out and talk openly about sex in their middle life you know and friendship is that but if you really want to talk about diversity yeah again we haven't we actually seen enough of woman of colour doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah exactly. And um, I will say um, there are tropes in the pilot of uh, Just Like That that really made <laughs> me want to... It made me cringe, but it uh-huh. made me also want to throw um, my drink at the TV screen. <laughs> like, for instance, you know, I'm um, Charlotte. Charlotte adopts a girl in the last season of Sex in the City, uh-huh. and she's from China.
0: Uh-huh, basically. yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. then in the
1: first pilot, um, this is no spoiler, it's just, like, a, a thing that I really hated seeing. We see Lily um, as, like, a 16-year-old, and she's playing the piano, and her piano is oh and she's, gosh. like, fucking amazing. Uh-huh. And I was just like, this is so fucking generic. Like, how are yes. we... Times, do white Cringy. people need to shove us asians into like onto the piano and make us prodigies yes. like fucking get rid of that stereotype please mm. and then what was even more harrowing was that black boy was seated at the piano before her and he fumbled a really easy beginner's tune which made me fucking cringe and that made me even more angry because it's like perpetuating perpetuating the idea that just because he's black he can't Play
0: like, a very uh, western yeah. music uh-huh. um, musical instrument that
1: fucking pissed me off so much mm-hmm. like, that, yeah if I was black I would have like fucking hit
0: the screen so bad <laughs> I hate I hate those very damaging stereotypes <laughs> yeah, uh-huh.
1: I just hate yeah. it so much it's so mean it is so fucking
0: mean but you can also tell you know it's still da- at, you know at the end of the day it's still very written for white majority white audience, white audience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah totally yeah
0: Okay, should we take a break now? Let's take a break. And we'll come back. What
1: are we talking about when
0: we come back? Oh, it's it's a long title for this week. Like uh, why why are white people obsessed about India? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I can't wait to launch into the
0: discussion. We'll be right back.
1: Bye. I mean, see you. <laughs> Funnily enough this week was Helen sent me this uh, rant on text, a little passage about um, this article that she wrote about a guy kind of talking about how um, he had taken his, a a dude taken, a father, taken his daughter to school, um, India, instead of schoolies. Mm Mm-hmm glanced at the title the headline and I was like "I roll (laughs) another kind of superiority kind of thing like Mm -hmm. oh I'm so good like I do something different but my first response was to just not read it because I was like well obviously it's because you have money um to take your daughter overseas you know but uh but then Helen tell us what you um tell us what you discovered when you read this
0: Uncle. Okay, so this article, I won't name it, I think people will be able to find it. So a, an author, a white male author, wrote, about, wrote a book about his experience of taking his daughter to India instead of uh, the schoolies because he wants to get his daughter to experience what he experienced when he was in, when he was in the 80s. So okay, essentially, so can I just say, mm-hmm.
1: um, I'll just insert quickly, Helen, um, for those people who don't know, schoolies is like the end of end of high school party. Yeah and often mm-hmm. that kids go to, high school kids go to and it's a way to celebrate the end of high school. And it's um it, they congregate usually at Circus Paradise or Gold Coast, which is like the um, daggiest, most like <laughs> drunk filled, rape filled, mm-hmm. um, cashy people you'll ever meet, who they, they usually go there.
0: Yeah, and it's very okay, white continue. as well. Yeah, and it's oh, very yeah. white as well. I, I don't remember any of my Asian friends gone to schoolies. I, I didn't go to schoolies. And yeah. anyway, um, so this uh, male writer decided instead of having his daughter going to the schoolies, he booked the ticket, which is two years ago. This is pre covert. Yeah. He booked the ticket and take his daughter to India to experience. The word is experience him um i think within the i I don't have the article right in front of me but i vaguely remember that he said that he wants his daughter to see the suffering of yeah um real suffering real suffering suffering. that's right yeah and that just uh, as a major triggering for me because yeah i was thinking geez so you don't see suffering around your own country you You have a huge issue about yeah. not realising that within Australia we have so much Indigenous issues yeah. that politicians are trying to deny, uh, yeah, general public exactly. trying to block out and media yeah. not reporting it and just how insolent that you are that you don't see the actual suffering within your own country, that you need to yeah. spend thousands of dollars fly over to another country in the, sorry uh, in another country to see the suffering quote unquote and it's like what jesse said it's like a um moral superiority that you feel like oh i'm going there and i don't know just putting yourself above others
1: yeah exactly and for your own benefit
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
1: it's absolutely for your own kind of in self-improvement it's
0: kinda of very meaty pay love in the way that Elizabeth Gilbert goes yeah. to like other cultures, quote
1: unquote cultures like Bali, Italy. Where else does she go? I don't even know. I haven't read a book. But it's like <laughs> um it's like it's so that story, can I just say, this is why Helen and I are talking about it. Because in this podcast we basically critique whiteness. Um, that is just so fucking white. It's mm-hmm. so fucking white when you just think Oh, I'm going to go to this other culture. I have no idea about, and I can't speak the language, and I don't know anything really about its historical um, kind of um, reverence to I don't know. Like, it's just like, oh, I'm going to go and discover some Hinduism to like enlighten myself. <laughs> it's like it is the seriously that is the epitome of whiteness. Mm-hmm. Just to think that you can grab cherry pick snippets from other cultures, yeah, in order to make your life more meaningful.
0: Mhm. Yeah, it's just to it's feel so, oh like the sense of you need to be filled to feel that it will evoke your empathy and your humbleness yeah. like, to put yourself above others. Um, there's a word that um, there's actually a term that my husband told me it's yeah. called poverty porn. Where yeah, they're addicted yeah. to poverty because they're already in a very well um, set up life, but there's the need of going to see people suffer to make oh. yourself better. And also, there's a like the charity tourism. What's with it? You know, elite white yeah. um, private school kids yeah, going, to going, going to volunteer yeah. for their gap year. Oh my God!
1: Kill me! <laughs> kill me! If I need another private school kid who told me that they did a stint in india um when they were 15 or 21 honestly kill me and can i just say that is like almost every private school kid i meet they mm-hmm. always have some story about going to some other some other some developing country and mm-hmm. coming back an enlightened person and then coming back to buy like 200 birkin stocks but you know
0: uh-huh.
1: but i did something great i um i was enlightened and enriched by you know <laughs> these people who i'll never see again
0: mm. Yeah. Oh, it
1: makes me so nauseous. It, you, it makes mm-hmm. my mind so nauseous.
0: Did you want really. to talk about your experience in Solomon Island?
1: Yeah. So um, I have to say I am because um, I didn't go to a private school, but I taught at a private school for several years after I graduated from university. And I have to admit I am quite of, I'm kind of white, white school, private school girl adjacent in that um, most of my best friends are white and went to private schools. Mm-hmm. And what happened was um, I got fired from a private school in my mid-20s after talking about um, the Iraq... (laughs) Not Iraq, talking about the war between Israel and Palestine. (laughs) And then um, I felt really kind of like lost at that point, thinking I no longer want to serve the most wealthy 0.01% of Australia. Because I was teaching at this private girls' school in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. And so I... When decided to do Ausaid because I think um, I felt like a stupid private school white girl. I felt like um, I could do something better mm-hmm. with my life, I guess. And so i um, um, at that point. I only had a teaching degree, so I really just put my name down, and I didn't care where I was. I, I, I didn't care where I was assigned. Mm-hmm. So Ausaid is the sort of um, youth Australian government um, funded program for graduates and um so I was assigned to a place in Solomon Islands where I was a teacher trainer and I was like 26 27 and like I only I was meant to stay for a whole year but I only stayed for like four months I believe because um for a lot of different reasons which I won't go into mm-hmm. I couldn't hack it basically I would admit I was like just couldn't hack it and I felt trapped I was also living with two girls who mentally almost Murdered me with their basicness. I thought that I would find my community and like uh-huh. sort of down, sort of down to earth people who wanted to make the world a better place. But honestly obviously, I met the most obnoxious white people while I was in the Solomon Islands um, from Australia. <laughs> honestly, oh, me. Yeah, there was even this one white woman who was like really entitled. We, we, we were, I, I heard this from another friend of mine. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, no, she told me at a party herself. So like, what happened? Um, what happens often in these Aussie programs and i'm totally bagging it out i admit is um it's kind of like an orgy fest for privileged white people who can afford to not be paid for a couple of months to have something neat in their cv
0: mm-hmm. to yeah. like
1: show off that i've done some humanitarian, yeah. quote, unquote, yeah. humanitarian shit uh-huh. um, um you know on their cv and they come back and they you know think that they're morally superior to everyone else because like i have seen poverty know Mm -hmm. and this woman um we were at a party my friend and I and she what happens immediately when a bunch of um expats quote unquote expats or foreigners Mm -hmm. meet in a um, developed country is that immediately in the first hour of a first party people segregate and so like the best looking people get together yeah um, the the sort of um, intellectual nerds who are unattractive like I was in this group kind of like mole in the sidelines and at one point we um me and my friend we were sitting next to one of the most attractive women there Mm -hmm. and she was telling us a story about how she um, went to eat a steak at the hotel so this is in the capital Honiara and she um, the steak was not like to her standard Mm -hmm. it was like really not well done or something and she needed it well done and then she just went she spent about 10 minutes telling us Going through the detail of how she told the waiter to take the um, steak back like three or four times, oh my like an entitled fucking white bitch. Uh-huh. And now, now when I look back on that story, I just think this is so fucking gross. Like uh-huh. he was a white woman using her money to tell black people how to do their jobs. Uh-huh. Oh my god, it was just such a kind of white lotus shit. Like I'm um, white lotus. I'm referring to the show, you know. And um, I just yeah, when I think back to, I mean, I'm, I'm I don't know if I'm filled with shame. From what I've done, I don't think i, I did nothing shameful while I was there. Um, I actually, thankfully, was based outside of Honiara, the capital, um, so I didn't have to mingle with those toxic people. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, what makes me angry is that it's it's such a epitome of whiteness when someone thinks that they'll they can go somewhere else to a culture they don't really understand and have it do some sort of morals improvement course for them,
0: you know. Mm. Mm.
1: That's
0: what makes me really sick. Yeah, and I'm seeing like not only the charity tourism. I'm seeing Western backpackers traveling through Asia. Oh yeah. And a lot of them, well, I kind of ex. I wouldn't say kind of. I would say they exploit their white. They they oh, yeah, they use definitely. their whiteness to be advantages themselves yeah, exactly. within in Asian one- society. Exactly, which is what that
1: woman was doing in Honiara, I yeah. think with the stakes situation, it's mm-hmm. disgusting.
0: Really. Yeah. I think there's a lot to talk about even with the word expat as well and, you know, how whiteness moves within Asian or um, African society. You know, they just feel there's just basically white supremacy. I mean, I've, I can speak a lot about the Westerners I met in Taiwan yeah. and the superiority that they they yeah, yeah demonstrate and display you know within the society and it's just sickening honestly yeah and funny enough that i came across with an article or a collection of photographs on board Panther. is a, a website you know it's like bus um it was so funny that they it's a collection of photographs of western backpackers but they labeled as beg packer that they they beg in asian countries like having signs in front of them sitting on like uh, in front of a market saying that oh please help uh, make donations for me i need to travel around the world What uh, really? Just, really? I've heard of this. I'll, I'll send you the pictures like they're exploiting oh already socio-economical disadvantaged nations and beg yeah. to fulfill their own entitled sense of traveling uh, it's just the audacity <laughs> honestly when I look yeah. at those pictures, I'm like, exactly. what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. There's a say. backpacker yeah. Yeah. Um, within like a fully new outfits, uh, hiking boots, you know, those 50 litres or backpack next to a market where people are selling stuff to try to survive. And they're putting a sign in front of them saying that, oh, please donate to me. I need money to travel around the fucking world. Can I just say also that often
1: what really guiles me, absolutely floors me,
0: mm-hmm. is
1: um, the audacity and auda- the audaciousness is mm-hmm. what um, really floors me about white people exercising whiteness. Mm-hmm. Um, because I will say here, um, whiteness doesn't just isn't just embodied in white people. Like I know a lot, I, I know a lot of Asians and black people who are like whiter than a lot of white people I know. <laughs> I'm like critiquing whiteness specifically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. But, um, what, yeah, what, what really floors me is like audaciousness, like thinking that not even considering that what you're doing might harm, might be harmful or might be kind of just kind of, um, self-serving yeah. or disrespectful.
0: Yeah. That's true. You know? Yeah. And one of the picture that, uh, was in that article was, uh, you know how in the past, um, a little while ago people were like giving out free hugs yeah i right, just trying to make the society more uh, harmonious uh, like giving out free hugs uh, on the street and this white dude okay or several white people that like, they're blind for themselves but you can tell they're the white and they're saying that um like i don't know like a dollar for a hug like they're using that whiteness assuming that the people in Asia will want to take a you selfie, a you will want it's to hug serious. them or take a selfie with them to, I I don't know how to put a word around it, but it's like because of their skin color and their appearance is more unique and more superior yeah. considered in Asian countries. Yeah. And they can exploit and make a profit out of it.
1: Wow. <laughs> so wow.
0: stupid. I don't know how to, I really don't know how to respond
1: to that other than, yeah, wow. up. <laughs> <tough. laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah and and i think part of i mean part of what i really despise about the story about this man who took his daughter to india mm. is not just like the kind of class superiority like he had money he could you know take his daughter overseas but and then the cultural kind of um cherry picking which i mm-hmm. find really highly um insulting in and yeah. of itself but the other part of it helen that i find so egregious and what i just find so fucking tedious tedious mm-hmm. but unfortunately it runs in australian society like people this is marketable is this kind of moral superiority i'm a fatherhood i'm a i'm the greatest uh, yeah. kind of father um, mm-hmm. story yeah um so uh it's like this guy who thinks oh this is how to this is how to raise a daughter. Like, kill me if there's another white dude who comes out saying anything about how to, how his way of raising a daughter is the better way. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously, um, if I, I, I will stab myself if I have to um, <laughs> read another, read one single line published by a white dude who gives any kind of advice or kind of shares his story about how he raised his daughter. No, man, you probably didn't raise your daughter. Like, you your, your wife probably, um, mm-hmm. did like 99% of the um, raising. Uh, but, yeah, he, yeah, it was just like, a, I, I just hate men who garner this sense of, like, uh, moral superiority beyond everyone else because he is a father. Like, it's mm. so, um, it's so, that kind of sense of superiority is so fucking toxic. It's yeah. so fucking like it's so problematic when a man thinks he's now beyond beyond kind of everyone else in terms of his value in society because he's suddenly he's suddenly one half of a, a female a new female figure like mm-hmm. a female. There's female a connection. human connection. Yeah. Yeah, like um, we we just in this in our society we have this really fucking toxic sense of like, um, fathers are.
0: There's an obsession. Uh,
1: the caretakers. Yeah. Yeah, especially like. And there's something fucking weird about going on with that article where he talks about being uncomfortable with the white man leering at his daughter. Oh, sorry, not white men, the Indian men leering at his daughter. Mm. Do you remember that, sentence, yes. that paragraph where he's yeah. talking about it? It was yeah. really, really weird.
0: It's just like trying market. to put down, you know, men of color. It's like yeah. as if um, white men would not look at his well, daughter. The thing is, you know, yeah, they would.
1: He tries to soften that by like in the next paragraph he says something like oh in our in our culture in australia it's not that much better and then he like pulls out figures about like women um like harassers in australia and this and the way that like sexual assault here in australia is like mm. oh and aussie men are not any better it's like fuck yeah you guys are the worst Only well, mm. like, you know
0: mm. yeah yeah like we don't need another white man to actually giving us the statistics yeah, oh, we already know that it's like why having the exposure of another white man talking about things that we already know oh my god yeah and the fact that and,
1: and it just goes to show you know there is a market for these kind of stories because this guy's book was published
0: mm-hmm. yeah Yeah. people
1: want to buy stories like this people there I mean, <sighs> are a lot of I'm guessing white men out there who want advice on how to raise daughters mm-hmm. why don't you just treat them like a human being start from there
0: yeah, or treat their you know mothers like a human beings. Human being.
1: beings, yeah, like whole human beings, mate. Yeah, do do the dishes, mate. How about that? Without being asked.
0: Oh, so tiring talking about topics like this. Um, anything else?
1: Um. Yeah. Just that um, I am filled with rage, and
0: uh, as usual,
1: that, I can't believe that this is still a thing. But you know, of course, I can believe it. Mm. Um. But it like. I can't even fathom how this article was even published. I really can't because uh, uh, you—you took your daughter to India. (laughs) Oh my god! Kill me.
0: Okay. Okay. So we would like to give shout-outs to the um, business that's owned and operated by women of color and to give us and our listeners some ideas for Christmas gifts the first one I want to shout out is enjoying illustration Uh, enjoying is a time-born watercolor artist now resides in Sydney I've came across with her work about two years ago and have been since uh, getting her beautiful cards bookmarks and enjoying this illustrations of Australian animals, flora and fauna and also iconic Australian landmarks. I've just bought some of her Christmas cards to send to my friends who are overseas and also an adorable Sydney Opera House Prince for my friend, who is expecting the arrival of her baby very soon. Cool, how
1: exciting
0: yeah and secondly Amplify Books again I cannot speak enough about these two ladies Marina and Shen who are in the publishing industry to promote books written by black indigenous and people of color uh Shen and Marina create the shop because as people of color you know we recognize how difficult it is to find books written by people like us so therefore Amplify has books where you can see yourself reflexed in and also as people of colour, you know, um, we grew up as there's a lot of internalised stigma and racism because we've never been given to the language to express our feeling of confusion, belittlement and othersness, nor that we were taught to understand ourselves as separate to the white normality. So, of course, representation is such an important thing that we need and... Um, you know and it's an important issue that we need to really spoke out, speak out about in the community uh next one is butter butter active wears and again uh if you haven't listened to our previous episode uh, we did a little promotion earlier this year two ladies from butter butter of course again women of color they've started this activewear brand to help people to Feel better about themselves and also their. I want to emphasize on the materials that they use. It's just so brilliant. It's like yeah, basically, it's, it's so comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um. So check out Butter Butter. Um, next one. Um, Catherine chen's Hong Kong postcards. Um, I've got a little note here from Catherine that um, she said that she's a Chinese Canadian documentary photographer and videographer based between Hong Kong and Toronto. To her, sending a postcard is a way of sharing a piece of your day, your time, your life to someone who may live all the way across the world. As someone who has always loved Sending letters and packages, which is like us too, This practice becomes especially meaningful to her these past you know, couple of years. You know, how the world is going through a pandemic and family starting to leave Hong Kong in droves. Um, Catherine said that space and distance seems amplified and never-ending buzz of social media was exhausting. With these postcards and prints, I'm looking for a way of connecting those who have had to abandon their only homes, the families who have been separated by oceans, friends who have not been embraced for years, a chance to write to each other and say hello. For those who have been in remain in Hong Kong, um, Catherine said that I want you to have a piece of those memories and hanging on your uh, wall, uh, a piece of Hong Kong. So she has um, produced postcards with images of Hong Kong and they're brilliant, it's so beautiful. I will have a link on our show notes so for our listeners that you can go and check out on her Instagram. And finally, of course, we have to give her a plug to our sister Lisa's newly established cupcake business. Oh,
1: no, I, I, we don't have to. We
0: want to. <laughs> yeah, we like want incredible. to. incredible. <laughs>
1: so um, uh, Lisa too is the creator, founder and maker and CEO Everything. Of, <laughs> of, um, of Sweet Botanics which is a cupcake business that basically the cupcakes look like actual flowers mm-hmm. they're very very they're, you you buy them for the wow factor they're so impressive they're, they're ludicrously beautiful. They're like, you know, those things when you look at it, they, they're kind of blue, um, pest and blumenthal kind of shit. It's like you look at them and you're like, I can't believe this is food.
0: So, yeah, yeah. That's
1: literally what um, Sweet Botanics is. And um, if you want to have a look, um, we're going to, Helen's going to uh, link the Instagram, Facebook links to the uh, Sweet Botanics on our show notes. Honestly, just have them scroll through. After one picture, you will be hooked.
0: Yeah, she does absolutely. a range of
1: floral designs that just it will just blow your mind. Honest, every every day I see new designs that she makes up, and I'm like, I cannot believe this is edible.
0: Mm-hmm. It's amazing. They they are absolutely amazing. Lisa does a wonderful job of creating those cupcakes, and you know sometimes you get those very lovely designs and well-presented uh, cakes, but they don't taste as nice but whereas yeah. Lisa's she's got amazing oh flavors they <laughs> actually
1: <laughs> taste beautiful I, don't, I shouldn't even say actually they do taste beautiful like Helen said you think that these things taste strange this is
0: like the best cupcake I've ever tasted Mhm. yeah and for me like I don't really like flowers and I like I love the food so this is something that I would love to get for Christmas and we don't say this because she's our sister she absolutely does a wonderful job um for creating these cupcakes yeah okay so
1: interesting uh, yeah it's that's such a such a bunch a great bunch of a list of um ideas for christmas coming up but helen um i'm really excited maybe next week we can ch- um you know do a quick shout out to these businesses um for people who are still running you know making their last minute christmas purchases
0: yes of course okay so that's the end of our episode remember to subscribe to our podcast on spotify google and apple Podcasts. remember to give us a five star rating and we welcome listeners to send us your feedbacks or any topics you would like us to explore check out our updates on our socials and make sure that you share with your friends to help us to extend the visibility of asian beaches down under and continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry so we'll chat to you next week Stay safe, guys. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.